Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Horse Hour. It's your weekly podcast all about horses, and I'm your host, Amy Stevenson. I'm talking to Imogen Johnson, who's the editor of Your Horse magazine. It's a monthly equestrian magazine all about horse care, riding, advice, and expertise. She's also talking about Your Horse Live 2015 and 2016. And then I'm talking to Zoe Squirrel, an inspirational para dressage rider. But Zoe needs our help. We'll find out why. This is Horse Hour. we like to give you the very best in the industry and you can't get much better than this because we've got a very special lady on her name is Imogen Johnson and she's the editor of Your Horse magazine how are you Imogen hello that's quite an introduction <laughs> possibly a bit over the top for me no, not you. at all thank you so much for coming on and joining us because thank you for having me as youngsters you know I've read Your Horse magazine for years and I've looked through and I've always dreamt of having those beautiful horses that you have pictured and imagine being one of those Olympic riders and things like that and you look a similar age to me when I when I saw your photo I thought gosh she's so young to be an editor (laughs) yeah I've been a writer and a deputy editor and I started on the magazine eight years ago now eight or nine years ago actually straight out of university and I was a horsey person growing up I've always loved horses horses have always been in my family and I did journalism at university and I thought well what if I could marry what I love doing with what I want to do professionally? And it just so happened that there was an opportunity. So I grabbed it with both hands and, yeah, I've been here ever since. And Your Horse is a great magazine to work for as well and to be actually running it. And it's great because when we see your posts and we see your blog posts, we know that you've got the equine experience. Yeah, well, we try and keep ourselves immersed in the horsey world. At the moment, I have a retired mare, so I'm not riding as much as everybody else. But, you know, I've had horses all my life, as have my team. Um, My associate editor, Alison, has two horses, so she's up every day really early before she comes into the office doing our horses. And if we're not with our own horses, we're out and about meeting readers and their horses, working with professional riders. You know, we, we try and get into the thick of it as much as we can so we know what's going on and we understand what our readers are going through on a daily basis so so most of us um normal people when we go to work we have nine to five jobs (laughs) well you know you know we go to work we have nine to five jobs and if there's something wrong with the horse like the vet needs calling or our bosses don't understand that we need to leave there and then it's like having a child in hospital but do you guys understand if there's something wrong with the horse you allowed to yeah we're pretty pretty flexible especially with Alison like I say she's got two horses you know if 
something you know needs to happen or she needs a farrier appointment we're absolutely flexible because that's what we're all about your horse we're about our horses and we understand that you know horses are not you can't turn them off between nine and <laughs> half five or whatever hours you work they need you when they need you um so yeah I'm as flexible as I can be to my team and make sure that you know if they need to be somewhere they can be there oh, I want to come work for you please <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell tell us about your mare then how come she's retired she's 29 now wow so she, yeah she's uh, she's a little old lady but she had quite a a long sort of competitive life she started as a polo mare so I played polo cross for many years um what? at one time a long time ago what's the um, difference between polo and polo cross well for a start polo is everybody knows polo not many people know polo cross it's a smaller sport but it's played all around the world and whereas polo is a ridden sport using a mallet where you hit hit the ball polo cross if you imagine a little bit like a lacrosse racket so you throw the ball um it's slightly different in the way it's played but you know it's still a ridden sport it's, it's very fast paced basically getting a ball through some goals that's the aim of the game um Really good fun, great family sport, very sociable, and yeah, played for many years and really enjoyed it. So my little mare, Snake, she was a horse I got many years ago, and she's now sort of just enjoying her retirement after, you know, having played polo, then polo cross for a very, very long time. So she's being looked after and just getting to chill, basically. (laughs) Oh, it's quite nice, isn't it? So the, the polo cross then, is that the one that's in the air? Is it like lacrosse? Yeah, so you, you you throw and you catch more than you, you don't hit the ball like you would in polo. The ball is a big sort of soft rubber ball. Um, it bounces. So again, not like polo, which is quite a small, hard ball that you hit. Your seat must be incredible then. You must be able it's to... It's probably glue. not now. It's probably <laughs> not now. I've not played for some years, so I can't say, you know, I've, I haven't played for quite a, a while. But yeah, you know, there's guys that are out there playing. There's a horse trainer called Jason Webb, who I'm sure not, lots of your listeners will know. We had he him plays. on the podcast, actually. Did you? Yeah, yeah, Jason's a great polo-cross player. He's played for many years and represented the country and, you know, he's a fab player. But it is all about balance. There's lots of twisting and turning, you know, you have to be able to sort of hold your seat. Lots of people ride in um, stock saddles or western saddles, um, but some people play in in English GPs and that's always pretty impressive when they don't go flying out the side (laughs) when their horse is spinning and and this, that and the other. But yeah, it's really good fun. If you've never seen it, I would recommend during the summer, it's all in the summer months, most weekends all around the country, just Google it, look at the Mm. United Kingdom Polacross Association, have a look out for it. It's really good fun to go and watch. Because we're into trying new things with our horses at the moment as well and trying out new ways of riding. So I had... um, had a lovely lady from the BF that was on that's trying to get more people participating mm. in horses and so we're talking about anything that you can do that might be a little bit different and and I'd mm. never heard of polo cross until you ah. said before so well, there you go. this summer that's going to be yeah. on the list of Try things it. to do <laughs> yeah. definitely definitely so your horse live then that was yes. a major major event last year how did it mm. go oh it was absolutely brilliant I love your horse life as you know everybody on my team we we live and breathe it you know it's not it's sort of in the public's mind it's stopped now for another year but it gets going straight away as soon as we finish that show so we're talking big plans for 2016 we had a great year in 2015 lots of fantastic content we had Charlotte Dujardin there in our um, beta arena uh, Ben Hobday and Paul Tatner did a great little performance together um I'm sure, again, lots of people will know Ben Hobday's story. Um, he was diagnosed with a non-Hodgkin lymphoma 
early last year and he wasn't sure whether he was going to be able to make it to the show but he he was so desperate to be there and you know we were in talks with him all the way up to the show and he was saying I really want to be there you know this is I want this to be my sort of driving force I want to get better and be there so we were willing him all the way and just hoping he'd get better and then you know that moment when he rode into the arena for the first time and no one had seen him everybody was sort of welling up and it was just so lovely and he is one of the riders that I really admire just for his enthusiasm, love of the sport, his drive. He's amazing on social media. He keeps all his fans up to date with what he's doing. And I think that's great because equestrian sport needs as much publicity as it can get. Mm. And he is a great ambassador for the sport of eventing and equestrian as a whole. And so we were really, really proud to have him there and just so grateful that he was, you know, well and able to come and yeah it was, it was brilliant it was really good that must have been so tough for him as well because he'd only just been through the chemotherapy mm, it was very near yeah actually have the strength to be able to get up and ride and and do the demonstration that he did it was incredible yeah i mean he i think he was you know it was quite tiring for him but he's a professional first and foremost you know he wanted to put on a show and ben is one of those people that he doesn't just rock up and and do his performance he really thinks about it so many many months before him and Paul Tapner were planning what they wanted to do liaising with us talking about what was possible what wasn't possible you know thinking about what music they would have what things they would do that would be funny and interesting for the audience so um yes I'm, I'm, I'm no doubt it was very tiring for him but he did such a fab job and I know that he didn't want to let anybody down he certainly didn't he was fantastic as always as was Paul and a, a lot of the professional riders that are there actually meet your readers as well, don't they? You have a special area yes, yeah. that they can go into and, and it's very relaxed. It's very calm and nice and they get time with them to ask the riders any questions or ask for any advice. And the riders are always amazing. You know, they're so they're really understanding, very humble, I find. Yeah, they are. And it's funny because so many of them find it a bit odd when we refer to them as celebrities because <laughs> to us they are celebrities you know the people we look up to for many of us people like Mary King you know I had posters of Mary King on my wall when I was growing up you know just to, to actually see her to, in her eyes she, you know she's just I'm just a normal person doing my job but to us we're like wow it's Mary King or it's Ben Hogday you know but they're also fantastic and so generous with their time that they will happily you know they walk around the shop that and um, the shops at the show they'll sort of people can stop and we always say stop them say hello they won't mind and they absolutely don't because there is that worry is, you know, when you see somebody that you don't want to bother them, you want to, you know, you want them to enjoy their time. I remember meeting, I mean, I'm awful. I'm so bad <laughs> because I know their faces and I know their names. But when I first, I've only really been back into riding for the last kind of five years. And okay. I, I could never remember which discipline that they were actually working in. So I remember meeting William Fox Pitt. Oh. And I was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And he was so lovely. And I had a photo taken with him. And, and you know, I said, you inspired me to be a dressage rider. And my oh. friend... <laughs> oh, dear. Well, he's an eventer and everyone knows... But he still he's... does dressage, so I hope you managed to sort of get over that. <laughs> well, exactly. And he was lovely. He was very sweet about it. And it wasn't until my friend who's an instructor said, you know, he's an eventer. And I said, well, I knew that he did all three, but I thought, you know, I really liked the dressage bit that he did. So yeah. I'm hoping he wasn't too offended. Have there any, been any times I'm when... Sure I hope not. But um, have there been any times where you've been slightly embarrassed or maybe met somebody who's either inspired you loads or you've thought oh, made a bit of a mistake there 
well, they all, all of them inspire me, but I'm sure I've said stupid things many a time. Um, I mean, quite often, especially when I was working with a writer, you know, my job is to um, deliver advice and content and ideas that the readers can use. And quite often, I am just that reader, you know, I don't know the answers to the questions. Mm. So I'll sort of start a conversation, go, please excuse my ignorance. I'm going to ask a question that might sound really stupid. Mm. And you've probably been asked it about a thousand times before, but how do you do this? And to them, it is the easiest thing in the world. But to me or to, you know, some of my readers, it won't be. Mm. So, I mean, I always say there's no such thing as a stupid question. But, yeah, there have been a few occasions where I thought he must or he or she just must think I am an idiot. But, you know, they're all so lovely and, you know, a little bit like your your William Fox Pitt situation. <laughs> they just they just ignore it and carry on. So yeah. it's, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Put it down to a crazy one. You met a crazy one today. Oh, no, I'm sure he wouldn't say that. I'm sure he wouldn't say that. <laughs> it's, it is good for your readers, though, because, you know, I do read your horse and um, we learn loads. So there are oh, questions that quite often we find in the yard that we might not want to ask other people because mm. it's you You feel like you're being silly. Like like you said, you know, they, you feel like you should know the answer, but we're all learning. And mm. you can be you can have had horses for 15 years and there are still going to be new techniques and new things that you can learn. Mm. And um, I think a lot of it is us getting rid of that kind of negative attitude and saying you know we can all learn together it's okay to ask those questions yeah I think it's better to ask a question than not you know if you're sat there worrying about something with your horse but you're too frightened to ask the question you know you put your horse first and don't worry who cares if people think you're stupid you know your Mm. priority is your horse and to make sure they have the right care and you know what you're doing and if somebody makes you feel stupid for asking a question then they're stupid because that's just not right. You know, we're we're all part of an amazing community. We get, you know, we're privileged to be able to ride these amazing animals and, and spend time with these animals. It's our job to look after them to the best of our ability. And horses are great levelers. You know, you learn something new every day. Never, ever be afraid to ask a question, whatever it is. And um, Was that the thought process behind your equine learning zone at Your Horse Live? Because you've got this huge area where where people can go again and ask questions and it could be anything about veterinary care. What else is it about? Oh, all sorts. And we change it every year. So basically Your Horse Live is Your Horse magazine brought to life. We work with the experts that we know and we trust and we love the way they work. So we ask them to come and be there. And the learning zone is sort of helping us to bring more of that practical knowledge and understanding to life so that our readers and our Your Horse Live visitors can go and ask those experts face-to-face, you know, questions that maybe they haven't dared ask before and or to listen to the talks that about topics that we know they're interested in. So we pay attention to what they're talking about all year. Um, you know, we look at the questions that we ask, get asked over and over again, be it at certain times of year or all the time. And then we try and create the content around those things that we know our readers and our Your Horse Live visitors want to want to know about mm. um, it's a great little platform so the equine learning zone delivers um, practical talks with all sorts of different experts i mean we've had people from the bhs we've had feed experts we've even had people doing pilates exercises right there you know in the <laughs> middle of the show um, and we're always open to new ideas so every year it will be different and there'll be something different to go and watch listen to and you can always ask questions and on top of that, you've got 300 trade stands. So there's a whole yeah. bunch of shopping to do too. More than 300 trade stands. And there is so much shopping. I don't think I've <laughs> ever managed to get around all the shopping. We're always so busy sort of running around, but you'll see something and go, oh, I've got to go back and have a look at that later. And, you know, we're really grateful for all the members of the trade who support Your Horse Live and 
and understand what we're trying to do with it. And we know that our visitors and our readers love to shop. You know, some of them are thinking, I can't wait till November, <laughs> saving up. I'm going to do all my Christmas shopping and get some great deals. And it's a great time of year. It's, it's you know, it starts to feel a bit festive in November and everyone's, you know, it's the end of the season. People want to go find some good bargains, have a look around, mm-hmm. enjoy some demos. So we try and create a good mix of that. But our, we are famous for our shopping just because there's so much, so much shopping. Now, sadly, you can't tell us yet what's going to be in 2016, even no. though we really, really want to know. <laughs> no, I'm afraid I I can't tell you that at the moment. But what I can tell you is that myself and the rest of the entire Your Horse Life team, in fact, we've been in a meeting this morning um, talking about our plans. I can tell you it's going to be bigger and better than ever before. We're so excited about it. We've got lots of big ideas, lots of ideas to make the whole visitor experience so much better. Um, Keep an eye on the website uh, for information about tickets and all that sort of stuff. We will be bringing you information soon, but at the moment we're just having a play with some really exciting ideas and seeing how we can make it even more exciting for 2016. It it must be, there must be a certain element of it being quite hard to compete with the other, you know, the other shows. You've got Olympia, you have Horse Mm -hmm. of the Year show. But this one is different, isn't it? Because it's we all, are different. It's, yeah, it's a it's a trade show as well as a. De- it's it's much more interactive. I'm finding it is much more interactive, and like I say, it's the magazine brought to life. So mm. you know, your horse is all about inspiring and empowering um, people to go out and be the best that they can be, whatever they want to do. You know, we we don't judge anybody for what they do, what level they are. It's we want to be inclusive. So the show is about bringing the pages of the magazine to life. So we have that main arena with the, you know, the the great big names who are doing demonstrations. And that's something that you just you can't see it everywhere. But we also have our um, second arena that was actually sponsored by Netex in 2015. And that is very much about practical advice and and the knowledge that they can take away and apply to their riding at home and to the things that they do with their own horses. We have the equine learning zone so that people can ask questions. And essentially, it's just a full-on horsey day. If you like horses, <laughs> you can't really go wrong because you can watch and enjoy it and relax and not necessarily have the learning you know, in your face. Or you can go to the areas where you want to learn and ask questions. Or you can shop. Or you can head to, we have the rescue village as well, so people can actually see some of the amazing horses that the charities across the UK have up for rehoming. That's really important to us, you know, because there are lots of horses in need of homes. And we felt that being able to physically see what type of horses they were, people would realise it's not just, you know, because I think there's a bit of a misconception that all horses that need to be rehomed are companions or their Shetlands or you know mm. we, and there's nothing wrong with that but there are some fantastic horses that can be brilliant riding ponies riding horses and being able to physically see them speak to the charities hear their stories is amazing so that's really important to us as well so whether you're horsey or not there's, there's something for everybody and sometimes they're not always just rescued horses are they they're they're just rehomed I, I had a mm. horse on loan and the owner had had him for 12 years and she had a baby so I looked after him for a year and then she decided that she couldn't actually cope with having him back she she was going to have she got pregnant again and was going to have another baby so she went through one of these charities um, and found a lovely home for him and the the great thing is that she can keep in contact and always knows that he's okay I can keep in contact and know that he's okay and if the new owner ever has a problem she goes back to the charity and then he gets rehomed again so they always know the horse is safe 
I think, which is brilliant, and, you know, I really admire the work of the equine charities in the UK. We work, you know, spend a lot of time speaking to people at Welsh Welfare, the Blue Cross, RSPCA, Red Wings. And I think what I like about the rehoming process that some of those charities use is, you know, they ultimately they're trying to find a forever home for those horses. Yes, horses can go back, which is great because there's a bit of security there, but ultimately they're driving, you know, this idea that they want to find that horse a home for life so they can be settled. But the process that they, they go through to find that horse a home is really interesting and we've done stuff with them behind the scenes before where you know they'll match people up so people can say oh I really like this horse but then you get to go spend time with that horse have a lesson on that horse and they can just check that actually yeah you are the right match and in so many ways that's better than buying a horse because Mm. you understand the horse's history because the charity has as much of that horse's history as possible you know that that you know everything there is to know as far as possible about that horse's health and that charity is not going to want that horse to go into a home where it's not going to be safe, it's not going to be loved, or it's just going to end up getting passed on. So the whole process in itself is amazing. You know, I don't know why more people don't do it, because you could go and find an amazing horse and have the knowledge and security of where that horse has come from. Yes. And know that that charity is not going to they're not going to sell you a dud because yes. that's not what they're doing. You know, they're, they are looking to put you with a horse that you're going to enjoy and have fun with. Um, and I think that's fantastic. And, and that's why we want to support what those charities do because it's important. And those charities are to capacity. You know, they're, they're struggling. They are, have so many horses and there are still more horses out there at the moment that, mm. you know, need homes. I know the World Horse Welfare is working on a project this New Year uh, campaign that they're doing, trying to give invisible horses a voice. You know, all those horses that you see in very different scenarios, some that are just on the side of the road. How many of us drive past and go, oh, look at those horses fly grazing. Do we actually do anything, though? You know, charities have a really tough job, but that's just one of the many things they're trying to work on this year is getting us to pay attention and take action if we see a horse that looks like it might be in need. Um, I'd so like to take do... them all home myself. I know, I know. And some people do. I've met many people over the course of my time on Your Horse magazine where you go to their yard and they've just got lots of horses and they're like, I, I took one and then I just have to take another, which is lovely. And, you know, those people should pat on the back to them for doing that. So you have the privilege then of seeing so much backstage and behind the scenes and you get to meet the real, real experts. It must give you a passion to go, oh, I want to go riding again. or I want to try this. or I want to go buy a horse and get back into it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I have done that weapon. I'm going to change discipline. And, you know, I went from polygraph and then I was like, I really want to. I went on a riding holiday via work, which is amazing, to Portugal and rode all these Lusitano stallions and did dressage. And they're like, that's it. I'll become a dressage rider. <laughs> so then I, you know, you, you do. It's really inspiring. I'm very lucky, as are the rest of my team, to meet the people we meet and see the things we see. Mm. Um, and we just have to try and put that across as much as possible in the pages of the magazine because riding is such an amazing sport and you can do so many amazing things with your horse even if you don't have a horse there are lots of riding centers where you can go and have a go at something it's a great sport it's such a wonderful thing for so many reasons I would encourage if if you don't ride I would encourage anybody to go and give it a go go to find your local riding center see what's on offer loads of places do you know know, taster days and yeah they do we're finding in Dorset I'm I'm not sure what it's like where you are that actually quite a few riding schools are shutting down and they're really they're struggling to stay open because the insurances are so high and Mm. because not enough people are riding but then this Mm. year the few schools that are open are saying we are 
car, chock-a-block, fully booked, mm. can't fit anyone else in. Because it's something's happened from 2015 to 2016 where everyone's going, okay, I don't know whether they've got extra expenditure or more time on their hands, but they're trying new hobbies and horse riding seems to be one of them. Well, I think the industry's been doing a very good job in promoting in promoting riding. There's been lots of campaigns like Take Back the Reins, you know, Hoof have done a lot, mm-hmm. and they are really pushing this you know the sport as a whole um, and hopefully that's being passed on via word of mouth you know people are saying I ride it's great why don't you ride or getting their partners involved um, and I think it's a really tough tough task to do but you know we've all got a responsibility to sort of promote our sport and, and get people engaged in it and seeing why it's so wonderful and supporting it. Do you wake up in the middle of the night and think oh, I've got to write about this next week because I've had yeah. this amazing idea? <laughs> I do. I actually have a notebook by my bed. That's so sad because sometimes <laughs> no. I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I mustn't forget that. Mm. Write it down. In fact, somebody else on my team has the same as well because you just wake up panicking, thinking, mustn't forget, mustn't forget. Or oh, that's a great idea. Write it down. So, yeah, we always have a, note, a notepad somewhere near to write down <laughs> these ideas or reminders on our phones going off. But, yeah, but it's so great that you're so passionate about it, which means that it must be easier for you to be able to write. And, and it does make the ideas flow quicker. Your, mm. your, um, your other half, does he does you drive him crazy? Uh, I don't have another half. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But the previous other half, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think so. But that uh, other half is a really interesting topic as well. The amount of people that we've met who have said it's my horse or my husband, mm. and you know, I've even met people in the course of this job who have left husbands for their horses, no and way. I don't, I don't encourage that, of course, but. That just goes to show the, the power of our relationship with horses. You know, when you really love horses, you will sacrifice pretty much anything to, you know, work around the clock, do whatever you need to do to keep that horse. So Imogen, can you give us an exclusive, come on, a little inside scoop? What's coming up in the next issue of Your Horse? So the next issue, there's an issue of yours on sale at the moment, which has got loads of great stuff in it, including um, our latest exclusive interview with the one and only Carl Hesser. So if you've not managed to pick up a copy of that issue, do, because there's loads of great stuff in there. Did you get Um, to interview him? I personally didn't. One of my writers did. I have worked with Carl before and he's lovely, so helpful, um, just, just fab to work with. So this was a nice interview. We did it at the beginning of the new year, sort of his sort of outlook for the year ahead and and had a quick chat with him which is great so that's the only issue that's on sale at the moment and um, that's on sale until the 10th of february loads of other great stuff on there we've also got our um, 2016 event special in that issue so if you're not entirely sure what you want to do with your horse this year or you want to be inspired to try something new we have a special uh, event guide so there's 35 of the best competition shows and clinics in there and why we think you'll love it or you should try it um, or it'll be great for your horse. That's All sorts of different idea. things in there. Yes, that's exciting. And it was, you know, it's early in the year. People are sort of planning their calendar, I guess. And so it was just to inspire people to try some new stuff or to, you know, get out and compete. Mm. So that's really cool. And then in the next issue, which is on sale on the 11th of February, we have a special on riding holidays, which is really exciting. 
all of us in the office are just desperate to get away and go ride, go on a riding holiday. So we've been talking to the sort of industry experts about where are the great places to go for riding holidays this year. Where might you find a really good deal? Mm-hmm. Um, how can you holiday with your horse here in the UK? Um, so we've got loads of great stuff there. Advice from the BHS on how to do it and avoid sort of dodgy dealers, if you will, and and to make sure you stay somewhere safe and decent and that your horse has somewhere nice to stay overnight if you're doing it in the UK. We've also got a bit of spooking advice from Richard Maxwell so my readers know who Richard Maxwell is oh. your listeners may want to know who Richard Maxwell is I don't Maxwell know is. who Richard Maxwell is who is he Richard Maxwell's a trainer but he is really really great at doing uh, helping people with horses that have problems but he you know I know he's very much focused on training at the moment he's very good ideas for helping tackle spooking issues so if you've got a spooky horse um, or a horse that's maybe a little bit flighter especially at this time of year definitely check out this issue so it's great advice for from Richard in our total confidence series we've also got a bit of cross-country schooling in hand Ooh. with another expert called Charlotte Dennis so that's exciting I saw only people have probably been doing it for a while but it's not commonly done you know this is schooling your horse on a lunge line over cross-country jump so if you've got a younger horse or a horse that's slightly nervous and you want to build up their confidence over cross-country fences this is a really cool feature because charlotte tells you how to do it and then how to build up over things like ditches and all sorts of cross-country fences so if you're wanting to build your horse's confidence and yours hmm. definitely check out that feature and i also spent some time with the lovely robert and claire oliver who are showing showing pros of many many years and did a nice little feature with them on grooming tips so at this time of year some of our horses maybe aren't looking their tidiest you know they have all those cat hairs and they're muddy you know they're stained so we went along to their yard and spent some time with them and they shared some of their pro secrets with us on those little little tidy ups that you can do at this time of year not necessarily talking show ring ready but their tips for making sure your horse is presentable at all times can you let us Um, in on one of those because we are inundated with so many different products you know and they're all pretty much the same but just branded differently so it's hard to know which ones actually work well they did have one of their little tips which people may or may not want to try is if for removing little cat hairs they actually use razors but they'll use just tesco value razors really (laughs) so you can buy equestrian specialized razors just to nip off little cat hairs wherever they are but you know they like a good tesco value (laughs) i think it's 4p per razor very cost effective Uh, there's all sorts of stuff in there on grooming and you know i know they're big fans of naff products so they've suggested a couple of those great stain removers and detanglers Mm -hmm. and things like that um little tips for doing those fiddly little areas with your your trimmers and your clippers and tips for that so there's all sorts in there that sounds brilliant robert and claire know they know their stuff so they're they're great and then we've also uh, been speaking to yogi breisner head of the olympics so as part of our new series in the run-up to rio we are talking to different people involved with the equestrian side of the olympic games this year so the first in the series we're talking to yogi who tells us about um what the eventing team are doing and what the trainers are doing in preparation so where they are at this stage in the game ahead of the olympics we get a little bit of olympic insight from the lovely yogi bryson as well and lots more (laughs) and when does that come out again that's on sale on the 11th of february okay and they can get that from you can you can get it on your iphone now as well like you can yeah we're available on the ipad um so if you go to yourhorse.co.uk you can look at how you can subscribe and various bits of bobs but you can get 
the author's magazine in print from all sorts of shops, all your good supermarkets or WH Smith will be in there. If not, head to the website and there's loads of details about how you can subscribe. Get a, you get a whole package so you could get the magazine in print and on your phone and on your iPad. You'd never, <laughs> be, you'd never be without it. There's loads of ways to get it. And um, 11th of February, that, that issue's out. Perfect. Imogen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Not at all. Thank you very much. Great chatting to you. And we're, we're hoping, I'm hoping to go to Your Horse Live next year. You should. Um, yeah. You should. I really want to go. It'll be good. And um, I think I'm going to do a broadcast back as well. I'm going to do a podcast oh. so everyone can hear that what's going on on the days. Because some people can only That'd go one great. day. You can't go three days. Um, so, uh, well, is that okay with you? I better ask you, actually. I can't I'm sure that'll I'm be absolutely do. fine. You'd be more than welcome. Yeah, definitely. Sort of soak up the atmosphere and mm-hmm. let people know what's going on. Definitely. Be, we'd love to have you. So how can we follow you on Twitter? Is it at your horse? It is, yes. And yeah. your website address? yourhorse.co.uk and you can also so we, we're always chatting to our readers on our Facebook page um, just search for Your Horse we do all sorts of silly little things like Friday caption competitions which the readers love and we give a prize to somebody who gives the best <laughs> caption to a silly photo you know we, we like to have fun with it as well so yeah come along say hello all of our readers are a really friendly bunch um, on the Your Horse website. We've also got a forum. So if you want to ask questions or you're having trouble with something with your horse, you can go on and chat to other people with horses. Our forum users are a great friendly bunch and I'm sure they'll be more than happy to have a chat with all of you. And now you've met Imogen and it'll be easier for people to speak to you because it is you. It's genuinely you replying and it's genuinely your team replying. It you know? is. So that's what's We're so quite lovely. a small team. We are quite a small team, but it genuinely is us at the other end of the line. <laughs> and you're very welcome to get into all our details are on the website or if you want to say hello via facebook please do um and we'll do our best to get back to you awesome thanks so much imogen good luck with everything and i can't wait to hear what you've got planned for your horse live 2016 oh yeah stay tuned bye now on to my next guest i get to meet some really really inspirational people and somebody sent me a message about a girl called zoe um she lives in my hometown in dorset and she needed some help so i thought well what better than to phone up zoe and find out exactly how we at horse hour can help because i'm sure we can and then i found out that zoe is an amazing rider her name's zoe squirrel in fact i'll let her introduce herself zoe squirrel how are you i'm very well thank you very much Good, good. Now, can you tell us what rider you are? So, um, I'm a paradressage rider. So, um, I am a disabled rider competing in Paralympic dressage, so dressage for disabled people. Now, you've hit some of the top levels that we can only dream of as dressage riders. And then to have that added difficulty of, of being a para rider as well, how on earth have you done it? I've been very lucky, is the simple answer, really. Um, I had a dream when I was younger and just kept working at it and got very lucky in that in 2014 I was offered an experienced competition horse to learn on and it's kind of kicked off from there really. Well let, let's go back to the beginning then because para riding and disabilities and sport and just just disabilities in general is a very tricky difficult subject and some people are happy to talk about it and some people aren't and there's a lot of stigma around it um and you're one of these people i guess that has proven that there doesn't need to be a stigma just because you've got a disability does not mean that you can't do fulfill your dream and do what you want to do so what what disability do you have um, my disability is a form of cerebral palsy. Um, it's known as left-sided hemiplegia, 
And as a result of the hemiplegia um, or the condition that created the hemiplegia, um, I also have a sight condition called nystagmus, um, which means that my pupils flicker really fast and oh, I gosh. can't focus on distance and my peripheral vision's a bit rubbish. Does that so, drive you mad? Um, I can't actually feel the flickering. If you look very closely at my eyes, you can see it, but it doesn't affect me in that it, I can't actually feel it happening. But it is a bit frustrating when someone says, oh, over there, look over there. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's over there? <laughs> oh, bless you, because you can't see it. No, I simply can't see it. Or like, oh, look, there's a rabbit. Oh, oh no, it's gone. Oh, what? <laughs> Well, that must, you must have such a trust with your horse then because horses look for us to confidence. But are you looking to your horse for confidence and trust as well? Um, very much so, especially in an arena because for me, um, I struggle within whiteboards. So I have to trust the horse that they aren't going to tr- trash the whiteboards when I'm going around them so that I can steer them. Mm. But my sight is such that I might react to something that... Um, I can't necessarily see, but I react quite strongly to it or perceive it to be closer than what it is, things like that. So I suppose my biggest struggle with the horses is a uh, warm-up arena mm. um, in terms of my sight. But I'm learning gradually to let it affect me less. Um, right. I, I see it, it, it is a problem, but it's something that I'm not going to change. So I have to learn to work with it. Has and... that been the whole thing through your life that you've 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 learned to live and literally live with your disability rather than letting letting it get you down? Yes, I think so. There are times when you are negative about it and you'd much prefer it if it went away. But it's going to be a lifelong thing. Yeah, I've learned to accept that it's part of me um and work with it and find ways around it. I think that's probably one of the the most important things that people will see in others with a disability is that we have to learn to adapt to different situations Mm. um something that might be quite simple so for example i can only really use one side of my body so things like tying shoelaces i can't do them two-handed so i have to learn how to do them one-handed ah yes simple things like that you you wouldn't you just automatically you just do but i couldn't do them so i had to find a way around it yes so is it more dangerous for you to ride? Um, I think it can sometimes be more scary for the people riding with me than it is actually for me, to be honest. Because <laughs> of my sight, um, and my right eye is stronger than my left eye. Mm-hmm. So my head sits to the right, which, of course, to the outside world in skates, if your head's to the right, you're turning right. Yes. But actually, I might be turning left. <laughs> so they've got but no people, idea <laughs> no but they've got absolutely no idea and but because my sight's better to the right that's how I tilt my head mm-hmm. so yes it is I suppose it is more dangerous but then I've chosen to do dressage so it's in a controlled environment I think if I was hacking more mm-hmm. or doing something like endurance then it might be that aspect of it might be more of a problem yes um, I'm just thinking, you, you know, when when horses spook and when they and they do, no matter how much we try mm, to control the environment, oh, yeah. um, and and you can only use your right side of your body, you can't use your left. Is that correct? Um, I can use my left, but to a much lesser degree. Okay, but it's not like so you can jump off dis- and and go no. ah, abandon ship 
like we would we no. j- i'd just jump off and go i'm not having that blackjack like. <laughs> uh, no no i can't jump off and of course the other thing is because of my disability because my left side is weaker i have adaptations to my tack so um i ride with a special toe cap that mm-hmm. sits on the front of this on front of the stirrup and put i put my foot in it it means that i can't push my foot through the stirrup so it's a, effectively a safety measure and I also have an elastic band that fits around my heel. So if I was to come off, the elastic band would snap. Ah. But in a situation like you're describing with a spooking horse, you can not jump. I can't actually jump off. To be fair, I can't actually even secure myself in. So at the end of a session, <laughs> I have to get someone else to get me off because oh. I can't actually get off. So. Oh, and, and so when did you realise that you had cerebral palsy? Was it from an early age or is it something that came later? Um, so I was born seven weeks early oh, wow. um, by emergency cesarean section um, in London in 1989. Um, we didn't obviously know that I had cerebral palsy from the word go. We didn't also know that I had a brain hemorrhage. We found that out when I had an MRI. Um, oh, the brain hemorrhage is the reason I have the cerebral palsy. We don't quite know when it happened, but whether before, during or just after birth. Um, we found out when I was roughly two years old when my left side wasn't working as well as my right side and it became a bit more obvious. Um, I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And my parents started making investigations as to why, you know, this isn't normal, that I'm, you know, their child is one-sided. And yeah, started making investigations and um, I got the diagnosis. And so I've known from a young age. So you've, you've grown up with it, learning. Yes. And, and maybe this is where your positive thinking has come from because you've, you've always had cerebral palsy, so you wouldn't know any different. And no. as, no. you know, as we grow up as toddlers and then teenagers, we start to rebel. And if someone says, no, you can't do something, we naturally say, yes, we can. Mm. And you've carried that on, you know. Okay, let's start with the horses then. How did you get into riding? My family are half German. My mum's German. Mm -hmm. Um, And we used to go every summer to visit my family in Germany. And when I was younger, my cousin was into horses and she had a lone pony. 
and um, she sat me on the pony and it was kind of love at first sight. And so <laughs> I begged my parents to give me riding lessons. Um, and so when we got back to Britain after a while, they contacted the Riding for Disabled. Oh, um, yeah. And under recommendation of my physio, my physio basically said, the riding will be better than any physiotherapy we can give you on the ground. So get in contact with the Riding for Disabled and see what they can offer you, whether there's any local centres. So I started riding with the RDA when I was seven, eight, um, and rode with them for 10 years um, wow. at vary- varying groups in different circumstances. We got to the stage where my first group, I outgrew them, so I had to go to a different group, but they were not able to offer sessions at the weekends. So I rode in the week in school time. I was very lucky that we went to up both my we had middle schools and upper schools when I was at school mm. in our area and um, both the schools actually adapted their school timetables to allow me to have PE on the afternoon that I had riding so oh, that I could brilliant. so the riding could replace the PE because I couldn't necessarily partake in football hockey netball that kind of thing yes but I could partake in the riding and it was doing me more benefits so they changed their timetables what was school brilliant. like for you um, it wasn't always easy. Because we know kids can be cruel. They can be horrible. I've not, I, I know a lot of people that have had a lot of problems with bullying. Mm. I wouldn't say I had a huge amount of issues with bullying. Yes, there were some nasty kids. You know, I had problems with some children when um, I wanted to play netball and we worked out that I couldn't play netball. So the teacher said, oh, you can umpire instead. So they taught me how to, how to umpire and the kids didn't quite accept it because then the teachers had to pay more attention to me and I got, you know, a bit of name calling and stuff like that. And But it wasn't particularly severe. Yes, it, of course, it was tricky because I then found out that I was different from other people mm. um, and you, you become segregated and particularly, you know, in my GCSEs. You know, although I did my PE GCSE, I chose to do it because I could ride. I also had to do other sports and they weren't as adaptable in that. So they, for example, they insisted that I played netball despite the fact that actually I couldn't really see the ball and people would ignore me on the pitch. Oh my gosh. Um, and, give, and gave me a, a score related to that or you know, a lower score mm. because I couldn't play. Um, and things like we had to do fitness as one of the tasks. Well, I can't do a 12 minute run. But that's so not I was, fair, is it? I mean, no, why? it's not fair. But that's that's just how it was. Um, I don't know why we we questioned, you know, why, and that's kind of the challenges you face. But it, it, it I think it makes you stronger. Mm. I, I mean, sport GCSE is about is about learning about the sport. Uh, you can be a coach, you could be a manager, you could be a, you could be an umpire. Mm. You don't you don't need to actually physically play the sport. That's crazy. No, I know. It, it you know, looking back on it, I think you know it, it shouldn't have been allowed. And we did question it at the time, and I'm assuming they came up with some pliable answer that was accepted. Mm. Um, but I think often when you're in a situation like that, you have to kind of just accept it because you can't, especially in a school environment, you can't go too against them because otherwise they'll go, well, if you don't like it, then you don't like it. Mm. And, um, and we have this habit of we don't want to make a fuss either. It's very, mm. very English, you know, we don't, we just kind of put our coat back on and carry on. Mm. I, you know... Yes, it was tough, but I think my education taught me a lot. You know, I wasn't ever particularly socially in with the group of my people of my similar age. I was also, I was always much more um, 
liked or I, I could identify more with adults than I could with people my own age. Mm. And I think that's always been the case. So I never really had a peer group. I had one or two very good friends at school. Uh, in fact, there's one girl that I'm still friends with now, but that's it. You know, one school, one person from a school that I'm still in regular contact with. Um, so, yes, it made it tricky, but that's how it was. You know, you, you can't at that age, you kind of just accept it. You, you well, don't know any other way. To be to be honest, though, you've done well to have one friend from school because I haven't got any friends from school. No joke. Mm. I'm not friends with anybody that I went to school with. I was bullied yeah. horrifically for 10 years. And I just didn't want... My escape was horses. Mm. So was that your escape too? I think so. I mean, when I was at school, we were slightly restricted in that um, the riding for the stable group that I attend, their horses are kept about half an hour away from the centre that we used. And in the winter, it's pretty inaccessible. So we didn't ride for two months or in the holiday, you know, January, February, we didn't ride. Um, in the holidays, we didn't ride because all the volunteers had children. And of course, they went away on holiday. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that it was tricky. But, you know, the RDA, yes, most definitely was my escape. Um, the horses were my absolute life. Like, I think my parents always thought it might be a phase I kind of, I think a lot of parents are the same. Mm-hmm. They, you know, their kids start with the horses, and you kind of think, well, is it going to carry on? I hope it's not going to carry on because it's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> it wasn't a phase. It carried on, and it's got worse as I've got older. You're doing incredibly yeah. well now. I mean, it just it yeah. talked me through then. So, so you're with the RDA, and and you just touched on the volunteers went on holiday. Are most of the RDA helpers then are they volunteers? RDA is run by volunteers completely. I had no um, idea. I thought they were a government-run organization. No. no, some of the bigger centres receive some funding, but most of the groups are completely run by volunteers and are reliant on fundraising. So the group that I was part of at school and I'm still part of now, but more as well, I I am now part of their volunteer team. They are completely reliant on people's donations. Mm -hmm. Um, The only people that pay slightly towards the lessons are the adults. We have three groups. We have an adult group, a special needs and two special educational needs school groups. The children don't pay anything. The adults pay a small contribution towards their lessons, which goes on uh, shoeing and uh, lorry travel and things like that but the people that run it do not get paid anything that i just think that's shocking because the amount that horses actually help they help mm. people with uh, you would never be able to ride if it wasn't for the rda no. and um they help with therapy a friend of mine her her parents are foster parents and they have a little boy that's got autism he's got severe autism mm. and he wouldn't even talk to anybody he wouldn't go near anybody and every week at the yard, she used to bring him down to see the horses. And week by week, we watched him grow out of his shell. And he just, he'd, he'd come off that, he'd go on to the horse, one little boy that was scared and wouldn't speak to anybody. And he came off the horse beaming. And he, week by week, would start talking to people. And he'd say, I'm trotting today. And even just that was just such a big leap from, from being a, a, a small, timid, scared little boy to just this happiness. It was amazing. Mm. I'm just shocked yeah. that they don't get, that they don't have any money for that. No, it's, it's, there is very little funding. It is effectively, it's a big charity. And then every group is a sub-charity. Mm-hmm. 
So you can go online to the rda.org.uk, which is their website. So the Riding for Disabled Association nationally is one is a, is the charity, but each individual group is a sub charity that is linked to the bigger organisation. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, they obviously, if you're um, part of a big centre that's purpose built for that thing um, and is a bigger place, then yes, the the main people get paid. But for the smaller places, there's um, not a lot of funding at all. It's all volunteers. So, for example, the person that runs our group, the chairperson, um, has been doing it for 40 years and has been chairperson for 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're all her own horses. Um, She traipses a half hour, three quarters of an hour, two or three times a week all the way through the year to take the horses to do their upkeep. Uh, She doesn't have a school at home. She runs a farm. So they're all kept fit out hacking mm-hmm. and um, was she your trainer she isn't my trainer now but she always will be in some capacity um yeah. she's known me since i was eight years old and is effectively my second mother <laughs> uh, she's absolutely brilliant so how did you get on then from so you were going every week through school you were you were riding with the rda how did you make that that step from riding with the rda to then going professionally so when I was 18, I went away to university and it then went from, OK, I'm riding weekly with the RDA to the RDA um, got me to a place where I was safe enough to go to a normal riding school, an able-bodied riding school and say, as long as you put me on something safe, I can ride it. I can do walk and trot and I can ride it. <laughs> so that's how I started. I started with the university riding club. Um, and progressed to having private lessons with different people within various yards. I spent two years with the University Riding Club and then progressed to another yard slightly further away. Um, Again, I had lessons there, just normal lessons. And then in London 2012, I managed to, I was really lucky, and I got five slots for the Paralympic dressage. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. What an amazing opportunity when it came through. I was like, I'm really lucky right now. This is like... bonkers how I managed to get all five (laughs) slots that I've applied for amazing um yeah just just really incredible so I went up to London and I watched the para dressage and was completely inspired and I was like okay so if these guys are doing it and you know they're clearly because you get the description of some of the riders they're clearly not all come from privileged backgrounds and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. if they can do it what about me so I kind of did some digging and okay so I might be riding in a riding school, but can I get myself classified to compete? So I went away and got myself classified to compete, knowing that, okay, I was still in a riding school and I probably wasn't going to be in a situation to compete, but I needed to put myself there so if a situation arose that I would have that capacity. Mm -hmm. Well, if Um, you don't put yourself out there, then then you'll never have the chance. You don't know. So then in um, carried on riding the riding school, in 2014, I saw British Dress advertise a Southwest para camp. At that time, I knew that uh, I couldn't go mounted. I, I didn't have, we don't have the capacity to take a riding school horse up there. I didn't have the, the funds or, you know, the support network to be able to do that. So I said, okay, that's fine. Can I go unmounted? So I went from Dorset to uh, Stowe on the Wold by public transport. Because, again, that's another thing that, of course, I haven't mentioned at all. Because I, because of my sight, I can't drive. 
okay so everything i do is done by public transport well it's funny you should say that because i heard a little rumor that this is this is how committed you are it took you 11 hours an 11 hour round trip just to go riding yeah, it, it has occurred. That that has occurred. But I think well, that's, yeah. that's commitment. You know, when yeah. we see these, we see a lot of kids that are helping out at, you know, assistants at riding schools and they're saying, oh no, my mum can't pick me up from school and take me to the yard so I can't do the horses. No, if you want it, then you'll find a way to do it. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll get yeah. the bus, you'll find a taxi, you'll walk, you'll cycle, mm. whatever it takes to get to, get to where you want to be. Definitely, definitely. So... Uh, yeah, so a uh, nice six-hour trip up the Stow in the Wold. Didn't know where I was going, didn't know who I was meeting, was completely like, on my own, did it all on my own. Did um, no one go with you, Zoe? What no. About, what about your no. parents? No, I went on my own. Oh, um, there you. was one lady that I knew of, so I roughly knew one person at this camp, plus I had had some communication with the organisers. So I managed to get to this camp. And uh, what a brilliant bunch of people I met. You know, it was brilliant. They were all so welcoming. It was great. Um, and so because I was unmounted, I was able to watch all the lessons. And I was also able to partake in some of the sessions. So we had fitness sessions. We had psychology sessions. We had nutrition sessions. We had test riding sessions, things like that. It was a whole thing for the whole weekend. And mm. um, whilst I was there, I was very lucky that I met a brilliant lady called Sarah Hart. And she was there with her horse. Um, Ollie or the Silver Surfer um, and she said to me oh, Ollie's really experienced and he's fit enough I know he's here with someone else but do you want to have a sit on him you know just to have a feel of what a power horse feels like oh it's brilliant you know you can't say I was like, I've got my riding stuff yeah I'll sit on your horse <laughs> brilliant um, so I rode this horse I- I'm not even kidding my grin was so huge I was like this horse is amazing he's not like a riding school horse I can push a button and he does what I ask <laughs> yes um, you know it was yeah it was absolutely brilliant the best experience really um, what, what, what and... kind of clinics did they do at the camp uh, you know did they teach you did they teach you really basic stuff or was it was it more high level so the camp they do it every year it's basically meant to simulate what it would be like if you're on the world class scheme. Oh, so wow. the, the the squads to go to the Paralympics and the Europeans and the worlds. If you're on that level, they can that's how they simulate it. So you have mounted sessions with a trainer once a day. Um, you can test ride and they have a judge there that can give you feedback. You have yeah, nutrition sessions, sports psychology and fitness sessions. They're all group work sessions, although you can book in one-on-one sessions for an extra price. Whilst I was there, we had feed sessions. So someone came in from a feed company and spoke to us about nutrition mm-hmm. uh, for, the, for the horses. Um, yeah, it was just a full weekend, two days of immerse yourself in horses and learn as much as you can. And did you camp um, or, or did you get hotels? The camp, actually, we're very lucky that the Unicorn Trust in the Stow on the World is a Pacific centre, so it's everything's on one site. So um, the horse, the horses are stabled, you have the facilities, they have um, accommodation for you to stay in, and or if you are in a lorry, they have hookup, so you can stay in your lorry. So everyone was on site, and they provided um, meals and stuff, so we all ate together. So, yeah, it's just one big weekend where everyone gets together, really. Oh, wow. Um, so you've gone all by yourself to this camp mm. in the middle of nowhere, made a whole bunch of friends, and you've got to ride a power dressage horse. Yeah. You must have been on yeah. top of the world. Yeah. I got. I went home and was like, 
this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was at the camp that they said to me, okay, so you are classified to compete, but you're not, you're classified with the riding for the disabled to compete. To make your classification more secure, go to um, Heartbreak International Competition and get yourself classified by the FEI, so the Federation, it stands for Federation Equestrian International, mm-hmm. so the Inter- International Federation. Get yourself classified by those and it means that your classification to compete is more secure. It gets re-looked at every six, seven years maybe, depending on your disability. If your disability fluctuates or it changes regularly, then you get assessed more more often. So are there different levels to being a para rider then? I mean, how do the competitions work? If you're classified to compete as a para, you are classified in one of five grades. Mm-hmm. Um, 1A being the most disabled riders, 4 being the least. So 1A, 1B, 2, 3 and 4. You are classified by, if you're doing it internationally, you're classified by two physiotherapists who test every single muscle in your body for um, its strength, its coordination and its power. And from that, they give you a profile and then from that, a grade. So you are competing against people that are a similar disability of you as you. You're not competing against people that are a similar ridden ability. Ridden ability isn't taken into a consideration at all. So um, so somebody then, you know, you, you could be up against somebody that's 40 years old and got 30 years experience being a power rider, but they also have the same disability as you. Yes. Is that fair? I'm trying to think how it works, how, how it works for able-bodied yeah. competitions. It's about your riding ability. So you'd either go into a walk and trot test or you'd go into a prelim test based so on how you can ride. So the tests are different. So the tests are different. So, um, so you're graded on your disability. Mm-hmm. So the same, okay, BD has slightly changed this, but to make it easier to understand, I'll explain it simply. Um, yeah, we need that. They've changed, their, <laughs> they've changed their systems, and it's not—it's a bit more complicated to explain. Um, basically, you have restricted sections and you have open sections. The tests that you ride are changes as to what grade you are. So, if you are in the most disabled category, a one A, your yeah. tests are walk only. Okay, you only walk, but that varies. So, the, you have the very basic test. And then you have what they term the novice test. Yes. And then you have the two championship tests that you would compete at at the Paralympics or the Worlds. Or when you get into a national level, you also compete at the, in the open tests. Mm-hmm. And so if you're 1A, you'll walk only. If you're 1B, it's walk with a little bit of trot. If you're a 2 like me, it's walk and trot, but slightly more complicated. So we have to do things like uh, medium trot. We have to do rain back. We have to do um, 180 degree turn on haunches or half pirouette. Oh, my gosh. Um, if so, you are... Yeah, sorry, how, how do you do that? How do you, <laughs> like, I'm thinking, okay, so there's me, a rubbish rider. If I tried to get Blackjack to do a half turn pi- pirouette, we, I'm you know, squeezing with one side, but you, you have limited use of your left leg. So is there a certain technique? There must be a certain technique to it. I think you you have to adapt to your disability. So if you are told you have to do this movement, hmm. first of all, you'd train the horse to go off a very light aid. And or the other thing is that you're allowed compensating aids. So you have a little card that goes around with you to competitions. And it says on there, because you are 
a, for example, I'm a grade two profile 14. Because I'm this, I'm allowed to use a whip generally, because mm. not all paras are. Uh, you're allowed to use a whip. You're allowed to use your voice. Um, and as I've said before, the toe caps and the elastic band. And I also have loops on my reins. So the reins are normal reins, but with leather loops on them. And the reins have holes up and down them. So you can move with the loops of a buckle. So you can move the loops up and down, depending oh, on if you are stretching the horse or working on the contact. Or, for example, because I've ridden in a riding school, if I'm riding a 13-2, the loops obviously need to be much shorter than if I'm riding a 16-hander. Mm. Um, so you so, move the loops rather than moving your arms? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And with the whip, you, you, you don't hurt them with the whip, do you? That's no, no. That's just used as no, a... It's, like we, it's an aid. Use, so yeah. you guys or able-bodied people can use their legs strongly. I can't necessarily use my legs strongly. So it's it's about using the whip instead mm. or the whip to back up the leg aid. Yeah. So for me, with the turn on the haunches, I've learned or the horse that I train on, because this is where it's slightly complicated in that the horse that I compete is based in Gloucester and the horses that, because it's so far away, I have to train on different horses in a different place. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is why my life is slightly complicated. <laughs> so the turn on the haunches is an aid. You're using the outside aid to turn the horse around the front end, around the back end, basically. Yes. Um, so with my left side, with my weaker side, I apply my left leg slightly behind the girth and put slightly more pressure towards the inside or towards the horse's neck with my rein. Okay. So that I'm drawing the shoulders over. So instead of keeping the reins off the horse's neck, I'm actually putting slight pressure on the horse's neck to turn the shoulders. And then the same with the right leg in the opposite direction. But with the right leg, I can do, um, obviously, a strong grade. Mm. Do you need um, a horse then that's really well-trained? Well-trained and sensitive and doesn't take advantage of the fact that you can't necessarily use the same aids. Mm. Um, so we're very lucky that, or paras generally... Um, would have their horse schooled by someone that's able-bodied as well so that they can learn the correct aids but also can be taught how to go off a light aid. Yes, yeah. Or to go off voice aid. So which um, horse have, have you been competing on? Because you, you went to Hartbury. How did you get on? You got, you got classified. I've got, I've got classified. And then Sarah Hart, Ollie's owner that I rode at the camp, contacted me and said um, his rider had stopped doing it. But she wanted Ollie to carry on doing the para because he was so good at it. Would I consider doing it? Aww. And would I consider would I consider competing? You know, you can't, despite the fact that Ollie lives in Gloucester mm. and I live in Dorset and I do everything by public transport, I was like, I have to say yes to this. You know, it's, that's, it's, someone doesn't come up every day and say to you, here's my horse, come and ride my horse. So, <laughs> no, it's amazing. So, yeah, that's how I met Ollie and that's how I started competing Ollie. We started competing in September 2014. With the aim initially to try and qualify for the restricted Winter Nationals in 2015, mm -hmm. um, which we managed to do in four competitions. Oh, brilliant. How um, did you get so, on? So it's a bit like a points system. Yeah. So you have to score, you have to get a total of 10 points to qualify for a restricted championship and you have to get a total of 12 points to qualify for an open championship. Mm -hmm. And percentage, How many did you get? Uh, 10. 
brilliant i qualified yeah that's amazing Um, well mm. done yeah it's pretty bonkers so basically percentage means points so Mm -hmm. the higher percentage you get the more points you get effectively so anything above 60 percent earns you points gosh Um, so you were above 60 percent in every test yes oh zoe i'm so (laughs) pleased for you and having never competed and being not able to sit on that horse very much yeah it was a big achievement to be able to do that and um we were very lucky that in 2015 we qualified for and competed in the winter nationals we did the same for the summers so we qualified for and competed in the summer mm-hmm. winter national uh, summer, summer winter nationals the summer nationals uh, at restricted level and we also because of those results were selected to compete for the southwest and england in the para home international oh my goodness it's Which, just like a dream, isn't it? In in a few yeah. years, you've just yeah. gone from, oh, just on one chance meeting yeah. at a camp. Yeah. So so you went to... So where... lucky. So lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I think it's it's a lot of tenacity on your part as well and a lot of passion and, and you're very driven. You knew what you wanted, that's what you wanted to do and you went out and got it. And if you hadn't taken yourself and put yourself at that camp and done everything you could to get there and, and you know, and learn, you're like a little sponge learning learning as much as you can, then you would have never met her to be able to ride Ollie. No. I think it's incredible. No. And so where was the Southwest, is it Southwest Internationals? Yeah, the the home international um, was held at Valeview in Leicester. Um, and how Valeview did you get Western. up there then? Did somebody take you and Ollie up there? Sarah, Ollie's owner, has her own transport. So for most of the competitions, if I can get to Sarah, then mm-hmm. I can go with Ollie and Sarah to the competitions. Brilliant. Or if they are in the south then i will try and make my own way yeah um so for example our first competition at bicton college i didn't know anyone it was my very first competition so um i traveled down there the day before uh managed to find my way on trains and buses and taxis and got myself into a hotel then they told me that the hotel was the wrong one (laughs) and that actually they had they hadn't booked in they didn't have space for me so they (laughs) drove me somewhere else and I was like I don't know what I'm doing I'm doing all this on my own but okay (laughs) just have to trust random people so yeah stayed in the hotel and then traveled up to the competition the next day so the home home international that was in Bellevue and when was that competition that was um May last year and how did you get on there uh team came fifth congratulations Um, which is great considering that three of us have only been doing power less than a year so yeah Absolutely brilliant. And it's so much fun to work as part of a team and, you know, have that atmosphere, you know, that you're all in it together. And there was just such a huge support network. Yeah, it was it was brilliant because they, they, they the home international works as such as they they stage it as as an international would be. Mm-hmm. But it's for restricted riders. So they do everything. So you have to do a trot up, mm-hmm. do a vet check. You get your numbers drawn out. You have to have a certain order that you ride in. Um, it's exactly the same, isn't it? Yes. It's exactly the same. And and this is the competition that you represented England for? Yes, England and the Southwest. So exciting! And um, um, so what's going to happen now then? What What's your next plan? So at the moment, um, my training base has closed in the South. Um, oh, the no. base that I train, it's about two hours from me by public transport, about an hour in the car. 
um, is closing. So we are either investigating, they're turning into a livery yard, whether um, the horse that I train can stay there in some way and I can still ride him. Mm. Or we are looking at another horse within Dorset area that I can compete on. And that's where uh, you compete needed, and train. That's where you needed our help. So yes. that was your friend that sent me a message and I said, yeah. yes, I'm sure. So if so, you need a new horse to train on. That I can... need the horse to train on because basically without the training, it will be difficult to continue to compete on Ollie because, because he's so far away, I can't train on him very often. Mm. So to keep my body as supple as it possibly can be and to keep improving my knowledge and my skills and all that kind of stuff. I need something in Dorset preferably or I would probably stretch to maybe the New Forest that I can train on in the week two or three times a week minimum so that I can be in the best possible shape to ride Ollie. Um, because right now we're a month from or just over a month from our winter nationals. Oh wow. Um, so you need to get you need to get one pretty quick then. So so yeah, it all needs to be set up pretty can you quickly. can you loan one so if someone had one that maybe was quite a, you know about six hours away and they said oh, i've got this perfect horse he'll be ideal for you zoe can you loan one bring him down here i could but my other difficulty is i'm completely reliant on fundraising so to be able to keep a horse to even have something on loan some that's a distance away is tricky because I simply don't have the finances to be able to do it over a long period of time. Mm. So ideally, we're looking for someone that would like their horse to be shared or that's happy to have their horse um, that, either to ride it or to have lessons on, on that horse. And um, so this, this horse needs to be safe. It needs yes. to be trained to quite a high level. Yes, probably um, um, elementary level. Wow, okay. Um, to um, be able to do the things like the turn on the haunches and the rain back and things like that. Yeah, and has to yes. really light aids as well. Yes. Well, we'll try, Zoe. We'll do our best. I'm sure Thank we you. can. There must be someone that, yeah, has, that I mean, has a horse that can help. Jess's campaign, or the Jess's post that she put out yesterday, has generated a hell of a lot of interest, and I'm incredibly grateful to Jess for A, putting out the post, and to everyone that has you know shared it and people that have got in contact with us and um we all be sifting through it it's simply the fact that to be able to continue doing what i'm doing we're looking for something that i can train on regularly alongside doing my gym work and things like that because as we were saying earlier about the riding for disabled the benefit of riding in general for people with a disability is that the horses walk simulates a normal person's walk so oh, okay. an able-bodied person, when they walk, mm. use a certain sets of muscles. When you sit someone on a horse and they walk, yes. you are using the same sets of muscles. But oh, when you're really? disabled, when you're disabled, it doesn't work like that because obviously your muscles are developed in a different way. Mm-hmm. So by sitting on a horse, you're teaching that person to become more symmetrical and to use their core strength and just develop more correctly. Oh, wow. So, God, that's interesting. Yeah. So alongside so it does more having than to train, just, yeah. Yes. Alongside having to train, it's about maintaining my body. It, it sounds daft, but I can go three or four days and I'm going, I ache. I need to sit on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, because my back becomes very sore because I'm not getting that movement. Although when I'm training, I'm not training for physiotherapy. Mm. I'm still getting that stimulation. So yes, the riding, it, it is more than being able to train to compete. But 
you know, the fact that I've been given the opportunity to work with Ollie is a big deal for me. And I would love the opportunity to continue that. But I feel to be able to continue that, I need something to continue to train. And we don't want you to stop. We don't want you to give up. We want you to keep going to see how far you can go. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so do you know what? If Blackjack was good enough, I'd give you him. But I think he'd drive you mental because you have you'd, you'd have to be able to jump on him because his spooks like <laughs> either that or you just have to sit to a buck really well. <laughs> I'd give it a go, I'm sure. But and <laughs> um, so, so if we can get you, if we can find a, a, a horse for you to train on, what will happen this year then? My aims for this year with Ollie are to compete. Um, we've qualified for the Winter Nationals, which are in March. We are in the process of trying to qualify for the summer restricted nationals, which are in August. Mm. I've also this year stepped up to open competition, um, which is amazing. Um, it's so exciting! And yeah, we want to see we want to see what what we can do with the open competition. If we can qualify for the open semi-finals, then brilliant. If not, then that's fine. We just I just want to be able to get that experience. Mm. Um, and also, as last year, we would love if um, our scores were um, selected for the Southwest for the Power International that would be brilliant it was such a pleasure last year and it would be great to repeat that experience you know and how do we get um, you to the Olympics because that's I mean come on you know we, we need to be thinking big here Zoe we're not thinking the small time <laughs> um, to, to be in contention for the Paralympic Games. A, I would need to build my strength a hell of a lot more because right now I'm not capable of riding a horse that would get me to the Paralympics okay. physically. Okay. Physically in the future, yes. Mm-hmm. But right now, I've been. Do- I'm. I'm. Although I'm the age I am, I'm still. I'm relatively old in terms of para, because a lot of people start a lot earlier. No, oh, don't worry about that. We're all old um, in terms so, of um, people at our so... level. We all, we all, you know, we see the people at our level and we're like, no, 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 I know I'm old, but I'm definitely going to make it to, you know, badminton. I'm going to be yeah, at badminton yeah. next year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, to, to get us to the Paralympics, I need to be competing on a slightly higher level horse than Ollie. And I need to be on the world class program. The level below that is the XL, which is what I'm aiming at next year. Um, they're reselecting in 2017 for the XL talent program. and once you're on the world-class program then it's basically like once you're on there you have the potential to win medals for Britain so you get a lot of um it's lottery funded so you get a lot of support you get sponsorship too yes yeah yeah because you get the you're known Mm. and you're supported and the horse is supported and all that kind of thing um so to be able to get anywhere near the teams you need to be on the world class which of course is my aim I mean, I've always people have always said to me, and you said just said the same thing. Oh, we want to get you to the Olympics. Mm. For me, it's not about that because Britain is the best nation in the world in para dressage and has been since it started. It's won every single gold medal at Paralympic, World, and European level. So we are the best in the world. We are incredible so, at it, which you know is amazing. Which also means that the for, it, for to, to be successful, you need to be really good. Because there are so many people in the country that want the same thing. Mm. So when people say to me, oh, you want to get to the Olympics? I'm like, yes, I do. But my aim for me would be, I would love to go international, properly international. And I've been to home international, but properly international. So, for example, my family live in Germany, mm. but they've never seen me ride. Aww. So 
I would love to be able to get to an international in Germany to be able to watch my family to see me ride. Mm. That would be my ultimate goal. Anything above that is a bonus. Well, I'm not very funny, but look how far you've come in two years. I know you've been riding for much longer, but you've seriously, seriously, only gone into it, like, seriously competing in two years. Mm. And you're, yeah. you're doing incredibly well. Yeah. Also, I'm so excited for you. Are, are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. Uh, okay, well, I you need to on... get on Twitter. I need to get on so Twitter. So tonight, you need to get on Twitter so that we can follow you and see what you're up to. I know you're on Facebook, but if you have a horse or you know of someone that might be able to help, how can we get in contact with you? You can either get in contact with Jessica Grove, who put up the original post that you found me via. I'm speaking to uh, speaking to Jessica next week because she's your she's an equestrian fitness trainer, and she has also she is. she's a, yeah she's a rider fitness trainer, um, but she's mm. represented Great Britain as a young rider as well, hasn't she? She's an amazing rider. She has. So yeah, she's absolutely brilliant. I'm very I... very lucky that I have her on my team. Very lucky. <laughs> Well, you know, you you get the best, Zoe. So we're going to be speaking to her next week about rider fitness and how we can keep ourselves healthy and how it helps, how certain exercises and certain types of fitness will help with our own riding. Like you were saying, you know, the walking helps with your with your leg muscles. I think there's so much more that horses do for us as for exercise than mm. we actually know about. So she's going to be on next week. So we can contact Jessica Grove on Facebook. In fact, I tell you what, let's just send Horse Hour a message. So uh, go into Twitter, go at Horse Hour or hashtag Horse Hour, and I will forward on any messages. Or they can follow you on Facebook. What's your Facebook account? Zoe Squirrel Para Dressage Rider. And yeah, you can send me a private message on there um, or just through the visitor visitor posts. Um, and yeah, I'll do my best to reply. Well, you, yes, that would be amazing. If anyone's got a horse, they can send you, if you've got a horse, they can mm. send you a message and then uh, you can go check it out. Oh, I'm excited. Please, please, please stay in touch. Let us know. If you find a horse, we want to know what he's like, how your training's going and also how you get on at the Winter Regionals because it's only next month. Yeah, I know. Mad. Well, good luck, Zoe. Thank you so much you. for coming onto our podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been brilliant. And we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a good week with your horses and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.